Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. To introduce tonight our panel, I just thought I'd share a quick story um, and background about why I chose and and why we chose to put these amazing nine people. I must say, as I looked around the room tonight, there were so many people in this room that have the call of God and are outworking that in the area of career. Um, This is my friend Donnie up here. Donnie, give us a wave. He runs about uh, a bazillion properties in the CBD, but not only that, full-on entrepreneur and what he's building um, in, in his just like personal businesses, like crazy cool stuff happening and I could, there's stories like that sort of everywhere. So, one of my friends, um, her name's Kelly Vites, her husband Carl just did the offering. Um, she now has this really cool job um, designing the future of travel in Australia. Pretty cool, okay. But in a previous lifetime, before she did that, um, she was a, um, one, of, one of her roles as a graphic designer was to scribe for boardrooms. And so what she would do is on a top executive level in Barangaroo, um, companies would hire her services and hire her firm uh, as the board would get together and talk about the future of the company. Government organisations would talk about the future of decisions that would be made in Australia for Australians and whatnot. And she, her job on a 20 metre whiteboard was to scribe and visually represent what uh, they were talking about and all that they were doing. One day she's scribing, she tells me, this is a couple of years ago now, she's scribing for um, a government boardroom and they're making decisions that will impact Australians. And she's sitting there thinking, okay, all all of these challenges that they're talking about, strategizing, she's thinking to herself, man, I hope there's a Christian who has the wisdom of God in this room. Gosh, there's got to be Christians in these rooms that have the wisdom of God. And so when she's telling me that story, it was actually before uh, one of our 5.30pm services. And so we're all here um, worshipping God and I'm, I'm processing this information that she's telling me. And what God begins to speak to me about is where are the Christians that are meant to be in these decision-making rooms that are affecting the future of our nation and the nations of the world, right? Where are the Christians? And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, they're right here. So... Um, I've been youth and a youth pastor now for a long time and then a youth leader before that serving under Pastor Tim. And you know what's crazy special about tonight for me is that either these guys are, there's a, there's a couple of really great people that have joined us from other churches, but the majority of the panel, I've had the opportunity to either grow up with and see, you know, rascal us <laughs> turn into where they were advising me on a leadership structure for our youth ministry of 32 leaders. They're now advising on a leadership structure for a company of 5,000. You know, it's just crazy stuff. But as well as that, um, I just really feel that, and I've had this word for a while, that the book of Daniel is so potent for this generation, for young adults, young professionals and youth. And it's about a man who, um, who was anointed by God. He was exceptional. And society recognised that. But what they tried to get Daniel to do was forget his Christian roots, his God-centred. They tried to get to distract him away from having his eyes set on God. But yet he remained steadfast and firm. I will not take my eyes off the Lord. And he rose up to be an amazing influence in society. 
How cool is that? This is what is happening in our church. Tonight, I get to introduce you to people that aren't just one day want to do it, but are doing it right now. And I think that is so cool. So are you ready to get into it? Give them one more round of applause. So, now, I thought I might start with a couple of faces that you may, uh, you may not know yet, okay? Introducing the amazing Tavian Fola. Hello, guys. Now, now, you guys have moved recently from WA to uh, Sydney. Tavi, tell us, why the move? And are you enjoying the East? Um, well, I moved because... We got married. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I moved for a boy. That's the one thing my mum told me never to do, and I did it. Um, yeah, I moved. We both grew up in... Well, I grew up in Perth. Fala did uni in Perth. His parents are in Perth. Um, he moved over here to study. You'll hear a little bit about that later. He got into med school, so he moved over here. Um, we did the long distance for a bit, and it sucked. So I moved and we got married. Would you recommend long distance to anyone? Yes and no. You will do the most growing, like, you could ever do before marriage during long distance. Oh. 100%. But it does suck. There you go. It sucks so much. Um, So, Tav, um, what area of society, what sector of society do you work in currently? So I am in public health, community health. Um, I do a lot of health planning and health projects and project management of health services. Great. And what, uh, what stirs your passion in this area? Um, to be honest, health. I think I, I really... It's one of those areas that um, has such a huge impact on people. And the health of people and the health of a community really um, kind of dictates the direction that that community and those people go. And um, I didn't think clinical, like, work was something for me. I think I really valued bigger picture health and the way that um, things like education can impact health outcomes, how socioeconomic status can impact health outcomes. And I really wanted to work in a space that Um, engaged all of those areas to benefit the health outcomes of communities. Oh, so cool. Now, um, so you move over from Perth. um, You end up getting a miracle job in this this, uh, project manager health role. Um, You're working on large-scale rollouts of, like, various health initiatives that literally have affected us all. Um, Yet, one of the first things that you did when you moved over to... You and Fola moved over to Sydney was get re-plugged into a local church... Praise God that it was our church. Re, re, um, re-plugged into a local church and uh, you were serving, high-level serving, all the, all the talent, gifts that you had built up over serving in Perth, you were so keen to reinvest it into another local church. And I'm just wondering, as a professional working on massive health initiatives, why is it so important for you to be plugged into the local church and work and uh, serving in that way? Yeah, um, I think... In my journey as a Christian, I have tried to do the journey alone and let me tell you, you can do it, but it's very hard, wouldn't recommend. Um, And I think the 
importance of community has just been highlighted throughout my life, the importance of having a faith-filled community, um, of people that can encourage you, of people that can hold you accountable, because it's not all fun and daisies, um, of people who can rally around you in times where um, you need someone to lean on is so important. And um, I've also just found that um, serving... I don't know, I get more than, like, I give when it comes to serving. I think that as people, God has gifted us with so many different talents, so many different skills, and I have talents and skills outside of work. And church is just a beautiful place to be able to serve other people, to serve a community, and um, to be able to outwork those gifts and not just keep them to myself. If I didn't serve in church, I wouldn't be using those. So, yeah. It's very cool. Very cool. Now, Fola over there. Hello, sir. Hello. Is this not the most suave guy you've ever met? I feel like every week I'm commenting on his fashion. I'm like, wow, bro. Um, now, you're looking fly, sir. Thank so, um, tell us, what do you do, mate? Uh, I'm a medical student. Yes. That's pretty much it. What year are you in? Uh, third year. Third year. What's the favourite sort of, uh, I don't, I can't remember exactly what you call it, placement or, you know, rotation that you've done? Uh, my favourite so far has been psychiatry, um, which, if I'm being honest, was kind of a surprise. Tell um, us, why was that a surprise? Um, well, I guess my life, the way my life looks right now has kind of been a result of me kind of just saying yes uh, to God's plan. Wow, yeah. Um, and it would have started like, so eight years ago, um, when I started uni, I was 17 at the time. I was living completely alone in Philadelphia. And I had a very, like, neat plan for my life. It was very much like all my other siblings went to medical school in the U.S. I was going to go to medical school in the U.S. I was going to be a surgeon. After I finished training, I was going to get married. It was all very neat boxes. And uh, after my first year of uni... Um, I actually came to Perth to visit my parents. It was actually just supposed to be a two-month trip. It was a summer vacation. It was great. And um, started going to church regularly with my parents, which in my first year of uni I wasn't great at. And um, I started building a relationship with God. And at the end of that summer, I kind of did something that at the time was rather crazy. I sort of just never left. So, like, <laughs> I called uni and I was like, oh, look, I'm going to defer for a year. Um, don't know where I'm at, etc." And spent a couple more months still with that one suitcase, never went back, got all my stuff. And then eventually transferred over to, like, Perth. And, like, eight years later of saying yes and kind of, like, letting go of the kind of plan I had, like... Here we so are. Cool. Now, you, through getting to know you, you're passionate about adolescent psychiatry now. Um, yeah. Tell us, what's the, what's the need there? And then second question, as a, you've sort of lived and studied everywhere. Um, you've been all over the world. And I want to know, how has God been a grounding force in your life as you've moved from place to place to place with your family? Um, okay, so with that first question, I think... I think the biggest thing that I've seen and God has kind of turned me towards 
is the importance of community mental health and more preventative health. Um, a bit with a lot of the doctors that I have like you know talked to and who've like kind of mentored me. The biggest thing I've seen is that with most mental health conditions, some that a lot of us know, a lot that some of you may have never heard of, the biggest thing that impacts how well someone will like cope with it is how early it presents and how early someone recognizes that it's presenting and kind of gives you the resources to um, like handle it the, like to the best of your ability. And I find that community health and preventative medicine is the easiest, well, not, not to say easy, but the easiest way to do that. And I feel that, um, you know, on placement, a lot of the things that they did expose us to was more acute care. So a lot of the patients I saw right, yep. were people who were already kind of in the midst of dealing with this mental um, health condition that they had, who maybe had been untreated for like five, six years before we even saw them. And um, one day I actually went to a community mental health service and I got to sit down um, with one of the psychiatrists who was talking to, I think it was a 16-year-old girl who had recently um, like come to terms with her mental health condition and was um, on track to like managing it. And the difference between the patients I saw in acute care and those who um, you know, got there early and had the resources wow. were night and day. Wow. And I feel like that is something on my heart, mm -hmm. like giving young people the chance to access those resources um, um, as early as possible. And even tying to your second question, um, that was a massive grounding force in like my life growing up. Just so for context sake, I was born in Nigeria, but I'm a U.S. citizen, Canadian permanent resident, Australian citizen. And, <laughs> and culturally speaking, in Nigeria, um, even in my family and a lot of other families that I know from other African countries, mental health isn't something that, talking about mental health isn't something that's openly encouraged. Um, like, for example, my, dad, my dad's a doctor. He himself, when he first started um, practicing medicine for the first two years trained as a psychiatrist and even like growing up I didn't know who to talk to how to access those services um, it wasn't something we I could openly like bring up in my family and um, you know church for me ended up kind of taking that role it was well I couldn't go to those mental health services, so you know, I went to youth, I started praying, I read my Bible, and you know, I f God was a very grounding force like in my life. I moved on like, you know, I moved every five or six years, so new, like I'd get used to a school, I'd start playing sports, and then I, like, I think I went Nigeria to America, America to Canada, so it was always like at least a seven hour time zone difference. And what, I didn't get a phone until halfway through like high school. So it wasn't like I regularly stayed in touch with a lot of my childhood friends. So I think God was very big in that. Oh, amazing, amazing. All right, I'm gonna throw to my friend Julian over here. Um, have you guys met Julian before? He's phenomenal. Um, <laughs> hi everyone, it's Julian. 
Um, now, also, uh, a.k.a. Jacinta's boyfriend. Um, <laughs> hello. Um, great import to our church. Praise you, Lord. Um, now, my friend, uh, yes. what industry do you work in? I work in IT consulting. So I've been working in that industry for about seven years now. Amazing. And I started really young. So I was always like that young, young dude in the, in the room. And now I'm finally like a manager. And I've got a team of uh, about two or four or sometimes six on my projects and I'm loving it. We're, Amazing. We're digital transformation. Amazing. Oh, when I caught up with um, Jules for um, just hearing about his work and whatnot recently, like the projects he works on, like, this is so cool. Um, and as a pastor, I like living vicariously through him. I'm like, um, yeah, this, oh, it's just like, it's bang, bang. It's like amazing. Now, bang, bang. Um, there's a reference there. Now, so um, Jules, you um, actually met Jesus at what age? I was about, look, I knew Jesus the whole time. Let's be real. But I think um, I really understood how great he is when I was about 19. It's actually when I started industry. Yeah. Um, it's good timing, right? Yeah. You know, get into that hustle, nine to and five. So I wanted to ask you, in a, in a world that's in corporate consulting world that can be cutthroat and just have values that are not Christian, not, yeah. not our values, how do you maintain and how do you find that balance of working in that space but holding, you know, deep Christian values of love, respect, care yeah. and so forth? I think I pride myself on three values. Yeah. Uh, encouragement, yeah. Um, kindness wow. and patience. Wow. And I have actually prepared for this. So yes, I'd love I it. I do actually have... There's a verse I've found because I thought, you know, I'd listen to a podcast, figure yeah. out an answer for this. No. I actually turned to the word and in Romans 12, 8... <laughs> podcasts so are great. Was, right. Yep. But no, for real, if you open up the Word, there's some, there's some gold in there. And there's this one verse that I really think highlights a good manager and a leader. And it says, Romans 12, 8, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. And if it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And I think that's just something I try and embody as a manager and as a leader daily. Does that differentiate you... Uh, you are so encouraging, even to just general people that you meet. Does that differentiate, differentiate you in your company, um, being that encouraging, being that focused on that area of work? You know what? I'm actually quite blessed to work in a company where we embody a lot of that, all Beautiful. of us, and I'm really grateful for that. And there are moments, it's more my clients, if anything, mm-hmm. that where you have to sort of, you are tested yeah. um, in the best way. Yep. And Beautiful. I think it's, it's when you can be patient when you're, Really not. Yep. <laughs> yes, or something yes. fails or maybe your team fails. Yep. Um, that tests you. But I find that I have this ultimate trust for God and that's been growing since I was 19. So good. You know? And, uh, and I just, yeah. And plus the support of family. My family's actually here tonight and I'm super grateful. Shout out to the family. Hello, guys. <laughs> so guys. cool, man. That's yeah. great. That's how it's it's really amazing. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go yeah. throw to Tamara up the back there. Now, Tamara, I was reading the financial review the other day um, and you would not believe what I saw. Check this out. That, my friends, is Tamara Smith in the Australian financial review. Now, what on earth? Now, Tamara and I used to work on youth camps together with a budget of $350. Now she's working on projects with... There's a little exaggeration in here, but not much, like worth $300 million. Tamara, how did you get yourself in the financial review? Story, please. 
I paid someone. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding, I didn't. Um, well, it's, it's interesting because... Uh, so the initiative that I co-founded with... That's Ellie. Um, the initiative that I co-founded with Ellie called In Her Hands for me, actually started um, with an insecurity, funnily enough. Um, it was probably about five years ago and God started to highlight that in certain areas and in certain contexts, I um, had a real lack of confidence and I had this real tendency to uh, doubt myself. And so um, fast forward to being a grad at a big four where you're in a sea of overachievers um, you can imagine that that insecurity was pressed on quite heavily. And my days were filled with overthinking tasks that I were given, um, really doubting my capabilities and just feeling like I didn't really have um, a lot of value to offer when I looked to my left and my right and it was just talent and more talent. And so I started to realise that I probably wasn't alone and really going on that journey with God was the foundation for this initiative. And so when I started to realise I wasn't alone, um, that there were probably hundreds of young women across the firm who also felt, um, you know, underqualified and disqualified themselves and, you know, really just lacked uh, the skills that they needed to thrive in the workplace... I felt a little um, tug one weekend, uh, just on a random Saturday, and God just said, like, are you going to do anything about this? And so I co-founded an initiative um, for the junior women at KPMG, and it was really just um, there to create a safe space for um, young women to gather and share their experiences of, you know, being in a corporate environment and navigating the challenges of starting your career. And I really started it um, to try and create a forum to help equip women to shift some of the internal narratives that we often have playing on repeat that really try and um, diminish or reduce um, the immense value that we bring to the workplace. And now we have over 700 people, Australian Financial Review. It's so crazy. Just quickly, like... Um, your advice, I know you've started the initiative now, like just pretend we're a part of the initiative. Young people in the workplace that, are, that do doubt themselves and don't know whether it's godly to put themselves forward and to speak with confidence. And I know um, Tamara was selected as one of 12 people to meet with, the, the, to meet with someone very significant in the company um, and advise on the company direction. So for, for people in the room that are, that are just you know, that wrestle of, is it godly to put myself out there? How do we do that being a Christ follower? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, it's a really good question. I think it's really like about the heart behind things, you know, like wow. I, I think one of the most important things, um, you know, that I developed within the four walls of these church through, you know, various serving roles that I occupied was... Um, really developing the muscle of listening to the Holy Spirit, discerning what the Holy Spirit's saying. And while, you know, my brain sometimes annoyingly works in um, a way that I'd love a, uh, a seven-step plan to success at all times, it's really life is more dynamic than that. And the upper hand that we have is the Holy Spirit. And so, so you know, I don't... 
um, tackle every challenge the same way it works. So sometimes you do feel um, the prompting to, you know, raise your voice in a room of really senior people. And, um, yeah, I think the forum Jackson mentioned, the CEO, and sometimes you feel the the tug to, uh, you know, challenge something in that forum and, man, it takes a lot of courage. But other times you you don't feel that that's the strategy. Um, and I think more recently I've learnt that through so evangelism at work. It's very cool, Tam, very cool. Now, I'm going to throw to Brock now. Um, this amazing man is Brock Thomas. Um, Howdy. I don't, I don't know if I was your first life group leader, maybe your second by a couple of weeks, but he was my first life group boy. Um, and I just, it's incredible what you have grown into be and do. So long story short, Brock was a very high achieving salesperson in a company, um, Surrey Hills based, was getting free lunches at work type vibe. Um, as long as he was making those sales, dominating his targets was getting miracle stories. Like, God's favour has always rested on Brock, okay? Always rested on Brock. Um, But recently, you felt a step of faith in your heart to take, and you've recently taken it. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the step of faith that you've taken? And um, just give a word of encouragement on courage um, in the area of career. Uh, Yeah, definitely. So, um, was that this software company, um, selling software, and great company, like, perfect job they had all the benefits and everything like that um well I just I felt like it just wasn't for me and everything seemed right on the outside but there was just something that just didn't feel right and um I've never been someone that wants to you know work for someone else for their whole life so every day my mind is always like what can I do that's different what can I start and like I tried kind of starting some side hustles and things like that on the side, and um, one of them kind of started doing well, um, and so started putting a bit more time into that, and it's definitely not just me, it's my wife, Tiana, as well, that that, um, I come up with the ideas, and she stops me from getting fined or sued, so so she does all the background work that no one sees, but um, yeah, so basically it kind of started working well, and, and I just felt like I couldn't really give 100% to both and kind of stuck that, took that leap of faith and, and quit my job uh, and, and pursued that full time. And um, it was hard because as soon as I quit, uh, the main platform I s- sold on actually got hacked. And like basically the, it was within an hour of me actually handing in my resignation. I think the way that Tiana and I kind of took that as well is, okay, if the devil's clearly attacking what you're doing, you must be doing something right. And so just kind of pressing into that and going, you know, God, we've seen you work before and we're, we're going to put faith in you and, and see you work again. And yeah. Really cool. Really cool. All right. I'm going to throw to Tilly now. Um, Tilly is a passionate educator, high school teacher, science, um, boss of the classroom and a school. So um, Tilly, what is it that you are particularly passionate about in the education sector? Um, when I think about education, I think about it as... Oh, my God, just like... <clears throat> wow. Um, I think about it as a vehicle for change in a young person's life. So um, the area... I work in a very low socioeconomic area in Sydney. Um, and like I said, I think of education as a vehicle for change in a young person's life, but I actually think about it as a place of 
consistent adults that believe in and encourage young people. Um, yeah, I can teach you how to light a Bunsen burner or the word equation for photosynthesis, sure. But <laughs> at the end of the day, if I can encourage a student to think critically, believe in themselves, um, lift their eyes from their family life or the situation that they're in just to believe in themselves a little bit, like, I've won. Um, I think about this student that I teach. Um, when I first met her, I was like... I'm excited, bubbly, enthusiastic. And I was like, what do you want to do? And she's like, I want to marry a rich man and stay at home and have lots of children. I'm like, awesome, if that's what you want to do, great. But I could just see, like, this girl, she's so capable and amazing. And I was like, you have more in you than that. Like, I can see the brightness of your future, but she just couldn't see it. Um, I know her family life, and I'm like, she just is like, I need an escape. And... Um, Actually, last week she came to me and she said to me, Miss, I put in my early, my early entry for uni. And I was like, what did you, what did you do? And she's like, oh, actually, um, my first choice is teaching. And I was like, oh, oh that's so nice. Like, um, and it just, like, encourages me that I can be that person in a young person's life to say, like, you can do it. Like, even if it's not teaching, like, even if it's, like, whatever it is, um, I can be that person to say, like, you are capable of whatever's in your heart. Um, just, just do it. Like, just believe in yourself. I love that. And so many, there are, we are a church full of passionate educators. Thank you for picking up my stuff constantly, Paul. Um, I love that, Tilly. You are exceptional at this. All right, I'm going to throw to uh, Sam now. Um, this is Sam Arnold, everyone. Um, okay. Now I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you her backstory, so I'm gonna tell it so that she can just answer this amazing question. Because so Sam um, Sam is one of those people that uh, she graduated uni, got a grad program job, and has very quickly uh, been accelerated along an executive track at work. Um, the favor of God has been all over her. She's a woman of prayer, a woman of the word, but. Um, she knows how to apply her brain and, and really sort some things out. So uh, Sam also, though, is one of the people that when I think of someone who takes a hold of the prophetic, and when we talk about the prophetic, we're talking about um, uh, words from God that either, either come through Scripture or maybe Holy Spirit inspired through a friend or a pastor or someone. Sam takes a hold of these words and does not let them go. And she will get prophesied over and she will just, and, and she doesn't, she just casually tells me as, as one of my friends, she will say, I was just rereading that prophecy from a number of months ago or I, someone sent me the recording and I'm listening to it over because I want to activate my faith and see what God has for me come to pass. I really love how she holds God to account in this area and says, God, I want to see what you have for me. Now, so Sam, I want to talk to you, uh, I want you to talk to us about the area of the prophetic in the corporate world and how you use that um, to obviously um, advance yourself into the purposes of God, but also to bring about kingdom outcomes in an organisation and in a sector of society. Great. So, yes, absolutely. I think first and foremost, I think the verse that I love the most is first 1 Timothy 1.18, and it's where Paul writes to Timothy as a young leader, and he says, take a hold of the prophecies made upon you. Um, so recalling them, you can fight a good battle or a battle well. 
And personally, I just hold on to that within my career and within my work is that being able to recall the prophetic words that have been spoken, that being able to recall what has been said, that actually allows me to fight the battle well in my world. And there is such, there's an integration of our faith in our work. Like I think sometimes there's that separation that people think, but it's actually so integrated in the day-to-day. And I really believe that there is an integration of that. And when we outwork that, that's where the power of God happens and that allows us to advance the kingdom. And so, um, yeah, in my day-to-day, I absolutely believe in the power of the prophetic and actually relying on the Holy Spirit or listening to the Holy Spirit in terms of where he wants to go and what he wants to do in strategy, in the way that I operate and the way that we build teams. Really cool. Um, I just briefly want you to talk to us about, um, you're one of these people, you know, when I stalk you on LinkedIn, right? It's one company with like, and you can almost for lack of a better term, see the ladder. Like you have just, you've served so well in one role and then they're just like, I'll give you more and I'll give you more and I'll give you more. I I want you to talk to us about applying faith in work ethic, in in just doing your job really well, serving your boss really well, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely believe in this. Um, so, yes, I think that God calls us to excellence in our work and the way that we work. And so I think anything that's given to us, we absolutely, applying excellence to that is what we're called to do as Christians and as people that are outworking what God's called us to do. And I think that that's actually advancing the kingdom so much because it's like, okay, well, applying yourself and applying excellence is actually reflecting God and his nature. And I think that that's what we're able to do in the workplace. And so, um, you know, even in, I think, like an element of like trust, like God trusts us as people. So then when we work with people, we actually trust others as well. And so it's actually outworking the nature of God in everything that we do. So cool, so cool. I am um, just a little side note. I'm going to throw to Hannah next for a little side note. Um, you know, you're hanging out with Sam. She has to, you know, address a work thing. Um, and, like, it's so kind. But then when push comes to shove, it's also firm. <laughs> and it's like, no, you will get the outcome. Love it. You're such a boss. Okay, Hannah Banks. Uh, who loves Hannah Banks in the room? Um, gosh, she is amazing. Now, you had a fairly significant life moment recently in the past. I think it was uh, last Monday. What happened last Monday? You graduated. Oh, I was like, what did happen? <laughs> I graduated. Yes, well done. Now, she reminds me, she reminds me. She's got a long study journey ahead still. But we celebrate the milestones, don't we? Uh, what degree are you doing? Uh, Bachelor of Psychology. So I've graduated from that now and I'll do post-grad stuff. Down the track. <laughs> so good. I already said, I think um, uh, Hannah wants to go into clinical psychology and I'm just like, oh, our world needs you, Han. Um, you will be so phenomenal in this space. Um, now, as a young adult, um, you've got amazing parents, you've got an amazing family. I wanted to know, um, in the space of, um, you've got two career people as parents um, who serve amazing in their career, but also... Um, at church, you have seen the long-term impacts of serving, of generosity at church. You've seen also in recent times um, our church rise up in generosity in a vision offering and pay for the basement downstairs, which affected your parents' ministry. Um, So tell us, what have you seen the significance of serving and generosity um, through the generations? Um, I think this church has showed me the beauty and power of a generous spirit. So not just generous with finances and resources, but also generous with 
time and energy and effort and um, love and emotional and relational capacities and generous in all of those areas. And that sort of generous spirit is so beautiful and it lays a foundation for future generations. And I think that's what we're seeing as we've seen that health grow and bloom from um, Horizon Church, especially in recent years. And gener- a generous spirit is different to generous acts. Um, no one feels overly loved when someone gives out of guilt or obligation or shame or um, with an agenda that's different from giving from a generous spirit where it's from that place of love. It's from that place of overflow and knowing where your source is and knowing that when you you have that receiving ability so you can give and God's mercy and goodness and favour isn't going to run out anytime soon. And that's what I've seen modelled through my parents in the... Yes, in the scene, but in the unseen, especially in the way that they live their lives. It's something that I've seen modelled through the elders. It's people through Deb and Sam Lenzo that I've seen growing up. It's people through um, even in like the kids ministry and back when I would do media team. It's all of those unseen things where people want to lay a healthy foundation for future generations. And that generous spirit is, is a way of living, it's a way of living with uncommon love and it makes room for God to move. That is so cool, Hannah, so cool. We love you. You are amazing and your family, amazing. All right, Paul Isaac, everybody, um, for, our long, for a long time was our resident youth team doctor. Um, you were amazing. The baton has now passed to Fola down the end there. Um, so... My friend, um, you are also in med school. What year? Uh, second year. Long-term goal? Trauma surgery. Trauma surgery. <laughs> We're talking, uh, this is crazy stuff. <laughs> this is crazy stuff. If you ever, like, YouTube surgeries, and if you're not good with blood and stuff, I recommend do not do it. <laughs> um, but it's, it's wild stuff that you want to do, sir. Yeah. Wild, wild stuff. You are amazing. Um, now... <laughs> Um, I want to talk to you about the value of church community. Yeah. Um, you uh, uh, recently had to, you got placed, um, you, you got accepted into a university course down in Nara. Um, you did really well, set yourself up there, immediately planted yourself in church community, but your family has been in our church community for a long time. Mm. Um, I, I want to bend into the area of generosity and um, and, you know, the value of, generosity building a really strong, healthy community yeah. to feel, to meet people's needs. Yeah. How have you seen that outworked? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, everything that I do out there means nothing unless I'm doing it in here as well. Um, and for me, that just comes down to the character of living a God-driven walk in life. And if you're not able to outwork that, in a generous spirit within the own house that God has given for you, then the purpose is lost when you try and do it out in the workplace. You find you don't get that enjoyment, you don't get that fulfilment unless you're actually seeing it happen in the house itself. And I think we, like, mine and my family, on such a tight level, it just comes through in abundant ways. I just see that the obedience that we have in sowing into the house, in coming week in, week out, in sacrificing things which might look good to the world, 
but to make church a priority, to make God's purposes and his plans for your life a priority. There is an honour and a blessing that comes with that. But we don't do it because of the honour and the blessing, but we do it because God said, do it. And there's an obedience that came with that. So, yeah. Really cool, man. You are amazing. You are the biggest blessing to our church. And thank God you're back, okay? That's <laughs> all I'm saying. I'm, I'm literally praising God that you're back. Um, you're amazing, Paul. Um, and what God's going to do through your life. And, um, yeah, it's so funny. Um, when I was actually with Jenny Veris, I, don't know, I think Jenny's here tonight. With Jenny Veris one day, um, her and I did an event gig together. Um, and it was the 50th birthday party of a, um, of a heart surgeon. And it was at the Opera House. And when I think about you, I think about... And all of these esteemed people, this guy had saved so many lives. And when I think about you for a long time, I've had that image in my head. And it was a red-themed party for heart surgeon. And when I think about you and your future, Paul, I just think about all the lives that you were going to impact through the local church and also through your amazing career. I want to throw back to Tam and Sam. Um, I'll go to Tam first. I want to talk. I would love to know um, why do you value the vision offering so much? You and Josh as a couple, and then Sam um, straight after Tam. I'd love to know what would you say to your twenty-year-old self, Sam, um, uh, about career generosity and the vision offering? Um, so yeah, I think um, I think on a night like tonight, it's really easy to sort of feel that almost the purpose in God, mistake the purpose of being a Christian as being the promotion, as being the article, as being something other than what it really is. And I think Josh and I just have this really firm conviction that our mission is to glorify God in, whether it's in our marriage, our finances, our workplaces, whatever it would be. And so I think, especially in in this season that, that we're in as a couple, I think it's just as, um, you know, the favour of God outworks itself as outward promotion, as the world would see it, we just feel so um, convicted that we need to keep ourselves very firmly planted on the real mission. And I think that um, seasons like this in our church, offerings like this in our church, enable our spirit to just be reminded that none of that is us. It's not because we're awesome. It's um, it's for the glory of God and, and we're just here to serve whatever his purposes are in our life. So really that's cool. why I love these seasons in our church. Really good. So cool. So 20-year-old self, what I'd say. So I think to my 20-year-old self, I would say it's really just an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be able to partner your faith um, in terms of these vision offerings and to be able to partner with God and what he's doing in the house. And I just love that opportunity to be able to do that. And I think giving generously is what God's called us to and he's generous with us. And so I really just think it's an opportunity. It's very cool. Very, very, very cool. We've come to the end of our panel. Can you give them a massive round of applause? Who thinks they're amazing? You guys are amazing. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand as they go. That was amazing. I'll get the worship team to come and join me. Oh, so cool. So cool. Um, I just, yeah, it, it, it really does blow me away about how faithful service in your career, God can, it, it, it just gone to the days where you think, 
God uses pastors or church leaders only. It is God uses career people in industry to do amazing things on a micro, medium and macro level. And I think it is exceptional. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.